0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Good afternoon welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik and my co-host for the Doctor in the House segment, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. How are you doing, George?
2: I'm very good. Gong xi Fa Chai to everyone.
1: That's right. <coughs> I guess Fa <we> Chai, <coughs> we have, have got a few an, more days?
2: That, That's right. On Sunday, the Chop Gome, the very last day.
1: That's right. It's Sunday, that's right. But speaking of days to commemorate, um, tomorrow, the 4th of February, is World Cancer Day. Mm -hmm. uh, An important one considering the, uh, I guess, significance of cancer Mm -hmm. uh, in our population. And, uh, you know, we've had so many shows, haven't we, George? We've talked about treatment advances. I mean, prostate cancer is something we talk about Mm -hmm. a lot as well. But I guess when it comes to access, you can have the best and the um, you know most advanced, most cutting edge, but if patients aren't able to access the mm-hmm. treatments. Um you know, Then, we still then there's have, no
2: equity, right? That's
1: right. We still have that gap, that huge gap there. And um, you know, here in Malaysia, we think that uh, things are doing pretty well, but then we must think about um, other parts of Malaysia outside of Klang Valley, mm. right? Um, and if you're looking uh, across to East Malaysia, Sabah, Sarawak, uh, especially in the rural areas in those two states, um, access to healthcare facilities is often hindered by a few factors, geography, financial cost. Um, and even the actual lack of um, infrastructure, healthcare facilities and yes. human resources like specialists. Um, and, uh, you know, if we look at Sarawak itself, we have um, a guest who will be sharing more about the gaps and the barriers mm-hmm. that patients there are facing. Chris Ching, president um, for the Society for Cancer Advocacy and Awareness, Kuching, or SCAN for short. And uh, we we're talking about why SCAN is asking for its own cancer center sorry is asking for a cancer center to be set up in Sarawak and uh, what benefits that will bring for people living in Sarawak Chris thank you so much for joining us today how are you
0: Hi uh, Dr George (laughs) I hope you guys had a good Chinese New Year as well
1: Indeed. Um, and hoping that um, our listeners did too. And uh, at the same time, if you're listening, do um, dial in with your thoughts. Um, what you think are some challenges that our fellow Malaysians in Shrawa are facing? Mm. And uh, what are some ways uh, to improve or to close <clears throat> that gap in terms of their care? You can call us at zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, Or tweet us, of course at BFM Radio. Chris, um, tell us first a little bit about SCAN, the Society of Cancer Advocacy and Awareness Coaching. Um, what kind of work does SCAN do?
0: Well, as the name suggests, uh, we do a lot of advocacy and awareness. Um, but as well, we need to support the patient. So that is on the third pillar of SCAN, patient support. So we mostly do awareness talks, uh, Awareness events, advocacy, things like advocating for the cancer hospital in Sarawak. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have written (coughs) guidebooks as well for patients and we do peer counselling for patients as well, Mm -hmm. just from the perspective of uh, another cancer survivor to a cancer survivor.
1: So all your members are cancer survivors then?
0: No, uh, we do have uh, caregivers as well, which... uh, They also need to be represented as well. Yeah. And of course, uh, healthcare professionals, we have to
2: you, Mm -hmm. and
0: also volunteers. There are a lot of nice people out there that are Mm -hmm. willing to share their time, volunteer their time with us.
2: Yeah, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you actually get uh, to get involved in this journey of uh, advocacy and also uh, cancer awareness?
0: Actually, I am a cancer survivor myself. I was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage 2B, in December 2013, about four days after my wedding. Mm.
2: Oh, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that.
0: Uh, Well, I am in remission now, so...
2: Fantastic, congratulations. Uh, yeah. So, did you get involved with SCAN or... uh, I mean, did you uh, set up this uh, organisation or the organisation already started? Tell us a little bit more about SCAN.
0: I am uh, the founding secretary for SCAN. Uh, Actually, started off uh, as a group of patients wondering what to do. So we got together and set up SCAN. Mm. And we focus on advocacy because there's no other organisations in Sarawak that focuses on advocacy. Mm. And for me, I think advocacy is a way that you can help the most number of uh, people. Mm. So our SCAN vision is to be the voice of cancer patients. Mm. So that is why we set up scans yeah. so that cancer patients have a
1: voice. Yes, and indeed there must be a lot of issues that cancer patients there are facing that we would like to hear about. Um, but first, if we look at the state of Sarawak um, and we try and picture what does um, cancer care or cancer-related services there look like, where can patients access um, you know, things like screening, diagnosis and treatment for cancer?
0: Okay, first, I guess for people in the Klang Valley, sometimes you think Sarawak is just uh, another state. But Sarawak is as large as whole of West Malaysia.
2: The whole peninsula added together, right?
0: Yeah, minus Negeri (laughs) Sembilan. Okay. we have have one one tertiary hospital. Huge. Hospital Umum Sarawak. So I suppose you can look at it this way. You have the whole of West Malaysia, the peninsula, and you have one tertiary hospital, H-U-K-L. Mm. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine that. Of course, our population is not as big as West Malaysia. We have, but we still have 2.82 million mm-hmm. people here. Unfortunately, that means we are quite spread out as well. Yes. So that makes it a little bit more challenging.
2: Yeah. Describe uh, the sort of obstacles and challenges that you think uh, or you you are aware of.
0: Even for people in Kuching, uh, and Kuching patients make up about roughly a third of cases. We uh, the hospital that we have, Hospital of mm-hmm. um, is all the radiotherapy unit where the oncology oncology department is. I think that building is thirty plus years old, and it houses around. I mm-hmm. believe the Unit has about 100 beds, mm-hmm. about 70 is in that building, that old building. Mm-hmm. So, space wise, it is an issue.
2: Mm-hmm. So, for the whole state, uh, for all the cancer patients, the only place that they can go to, let's say for radiotherapy, is Kuching or are there any other centers? Only in Kuching. Only in Kuching. So, so just imagine doctor, doctor. that you mentioned that the whole state is as big as peninsular Malaysia. So somebody who is in Johor Bahru needs to go all the way to Alostar to get their treatment for radiotherapy on a kind of like daily basis. Is that right? Yes, that is right. So, With the limited the per- infrastructure the- as well.
0: Yes, exactly. So we have uh, patients from Miri. They have to come down to Kuching. And it's about a 10-hour drive. Wow. Mm-hmm. So our pan Highway is still in construction. So I hope when it's finished, it's slightly better. But it's still, like you said, from JB all the way to Alostar.
1: But there's no guarantee that even after making that trip, that the um, general hospital's, let's say, radiotherapy centre can cater to the patients who need it. Is that right?
0: Yes, but this is an unfortunate situation. Ideally, in this world, I would like to have, uh, you know, an oncology center in Miri, an oncology center in Cebu to cover uh, the whole Sarawak. But we don't live in an ideal world. Hmm. You 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 can't just say, oh, let's buy the equipment, which costs a lot in the first place, and open up a radiotherapy center in Miri. How about the staff? How about the main power, the technicians and the oncologists as well?
1: Speaking of oncologists, um, how many oncologists are there serving in Sarawak?
0: Before the pandemic, there was four. But the current head of oncology, Dr. Woon, has been very hardworking and has pushed up the number to eight.
2: Uh Congratulations, Dr. Woon.
0: But... I believe the ideal is 10 oncologists per million population, which means we need about 28. Mm -hmm. I I know that's a far-fetched scenario. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to hit that number. But I believe in the plans for the cancer hospital, they're targeting to about 15, which which I think is fair. The number of cases they're seeing is, 2,000-plus new cases a year and 20,000 follow-ups, when they were at four, they they could not do any digits at all.
1: You know, you gave the example of, let's say, um, having to travel all the way to Kuching for radiotherapy. But can I take it a few steps back? Uh, Even at the point of um, cancer screening or diagnosis, um, what are the barriers and the gaps there?
0: Distance is also a barrier, but... Uh, this is slightly better, as in uh, most of the uh, specialist centers and uh, most of the main district hospitals have mm-hmm. uh, imaging equipment, MRI, CT scans. Uh, but for example, uh, a place that we are going to go to, Bakalalan, is the nearest place, is Miri, uh, maybe La, uh, or Lawas. I don't think Lawas has any imaging. But to get to Lawas, before they can go to Miri, they, it's an eight-hour drive mm-hmm. through Lumber Road. It's not nicely paved road. Mm-hmm. They're talking about Lumber Road. We're so logging roads. Yeah, you, yeah logging roads. So you need four-wheel drives and such. Mm-hmm. So that can be a challenge to get people there to go and do screening. Yeah.
1: So are we are we potentially seeing um, a lot of undiagnosed cancer patients or those coming very late because access uh, physical access is a problem?
0: Yes, uh, forty six of forty six percent of patients comes into the breast clinic. Uh, we're in touch with the breast clinic at uh, hospital Umu Sarawak. and in us, 46 percent of patients come in with stage three or stage four breast cancer.
2: Mm.
0: So cancers like this, if you catch it early, it's very treatable. Right, Dr. George?
2: Yes, indeed. I mean, early on, you mentioned that SCAN has got several pillars of your um, mission and vision. What are the pillars and also what are the challenges you face in that pillars? Um, The three pillars
0: are advocacy, awareness and
2: patient support. Okay, right, the advocacy, uh, well, let's go for awareness first, right? Shall we ask you that question to say screening and also diagnosis? Let's say we go for screening. In countries like Australia, it's also quite big and quite vast. And when they overcome that screening uh, obstacle, they have outreach, let's say, you know, uh, different uh, mobile units of healthcare services going into villages and going to outbacks in order to do screenings. Do we have that sort of like equivalent in Sarawak?
0: We do have some, but the issue is not just screening. But once you detect it early, you need to treat. Right. So the, the flow must be continuous. You can't find a lot of cancer patients Tell them, you have cancer, right. but sorry, we can't treat you.
2: So the screening side, it's not really a big issue because uh, together with all these preventive medicine, the outreach of clinic kesehatan can be achieved, right?
0: It's still a gap. Right.
2: There's,
0: there's just so many gaps out there. It is sure. still a gap, Yeah. but we need to fix the whole continuum <laughs> The whole sure. spectrum, yeah. not, just, not just one part.
2: Yeah. What about diagnosis? I mean, of course, uh, diagnosis needs uh, equipment and also instruments and uh, blood tests and all sorts of things. Will they be uh, equally equitable for all the uh, populations in Sarawak?
0: A lot of it also depends on the availability of the specialists. Like the gold standard for uh, diagnosis is a biopsy, correct? Mm-hmm. So in my case, I actually took three weeks from the time I've uh, actually done a CT scan and oh. saw that I have a mask before I could get diagnosed.
2: Right. And you live in a city.
0: And I live in the city. Mm, three weeks. Mm. Three weeks. Because uh, three weeks to get the biopsy done. The diagnosis after the biopsy, I think it was a week.
2: Mm. Imagine but, you lived in the rural area. Yes, exactly. So, yeah,
0: you, those
1: are the gaps. Can you offer weaknesses. thoughts? Yeah, uh, Are you able to offer some thoughts on why even a biopsy took three weeks?
0: There's only two cardiothoracic surgeons that have limited OT
1: time. Yep. So... so yeah,
0: there's, there's only so much you can do.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Chris is right, right? That whole continuum, mm. there's uh, cracks and gaps, not yeah, just that's cracks, right. but know, huge gaps.
2: Early on, when you mentioned mm. the challenges one face when you are doing the screening and diagnosis, but if you really need to do that, it needs to have the whole chain mm. of the support all being um, consolidated because there's no point, like he said, that when we diagnose a Large okay. number of uh, cases, but there's no facility to treat them.
1: Exactly, which is tragic in its own way as That's well. That's correct, yes. So we'll come back from the break to hear about Scan's proposal. Uh, for the Ministry of Health to build a cancer centre in Shah um, what would that look like? Who would that cater to? We'll hear more from Chris Ching, President of the Society for Cancer Advocacy and Awareness. Kuching, joining us on Zoom, and of course my co-host, Dr. George Lee, Consultant Urologist. Call us if you have any thoughts to share: zero three double seven double three two nine hundred, or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM eighty nine names. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. ik and my co-host for the Doctor in the House segment, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. We're speaking today to Chris Cheng, President of the Society for Cancer Advocacy and Awareness Kuching based in Sarawak. And uh, we're discussing uh, the idea for Sarawak to have its own cancer centre in conjunction with World Cancer Day tomorrow. We've been discussing the barriers, the obstacles that... Um, Cancer patients in Sarawak, the very vast state of Sarawak face uh, when it comes to, you know, getting access to screening tests, um, diagnostic tests. uh, And then, of course, um, down the line, uh, whether they can access treatment for it. Is it even available uh, in the one tertiary uh, public hospital in Serawak, which is um, you know uh, GH in, in based in Kuching, and we know how vast Serawak is, how many rural and remote communities there are. Chris, we've heard about your experience, just waiting two to three weeks to get that biopsy, for instance, um, and you talked about how important it is to ensure that you know you you patients can um, continue from diagnosis to treatment seamlessly. Um, was it seamless for you in terms of your treatment journey?
0: Actually, my cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma, is one of those that's supposed to be easy to treat. Um, it's usually one, psych- uh, one treatment of chemotherapy, the first line, and mm-hmm. 80% of patients uh, get into remission after that. I unfortunately had a stubborn cancer, stubborn like me, I guess. But uh, I went through multiple chemotherapies, two stem cell transplants and immunotherapy as well. Uh, 10 years ago, right? Radiotherapy.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's been 10 years, yes.
1: And were you able to do all of that in Kuching?
0: No, there is no stem cell transplant facility in Sarawak. At that time, the only public one was in Hospital Ampang KL. The one in Penang, I think, was either just started or they couldn't take in patients. Mm. So
1: he had to come to KL?
0: Yes. I did two types of stem cell transplant. One is, uh, well, I think they call it an autologous stem cell transplant, mm-hmm. which is using my own cell. That I had to come in. I think I spent about one to two months there before they let me go back. Right. But the other one, which is uh, Allogus stem cell transplant, Mm -hmm. which is from my brother's cell. So that, I think I stayed about four months Mm. in Ampang.
1: And your brother presumably had to come as well, right?
0: Luckily, uh, he stays in KL. Right. Mm -hmm. So... It was a bit fortunate. Uh, but the actual stay in a hospital was probably about one month, but I had to stay nearby the hospital for another three months.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can have imagine um, how huge a burden that is. That's right. Logistically, financially. Mm-hmm. Did you have
2: your carer coming with you as well? And um, obviously, your brother is in KL, but did you have to have any members of family coming with you to uh, KL?
0: yes i i did um my parents wanted to come to uh, help me support me so i'm very grateful for that but in order to because my brother does not stay near near yeah. so he rented a place oh. nearby yeah uh, a shop lot but that is very different for me i i had the means to do this right but not everybody else have yeah and While there is a facility uh, to house uh, patients nearby Mm -hmm. when they do allogus transplant, it's not always available and they will have to share. Mm -hmm if there's a couple of patients doing dental transplant.
2: Presumably, uh, the treatment itself was under the government uh, provision. However, what sort of -of out-of-pocket expenses did you incur over these months and months of um, treatment cycles?
0: It would be more of accommodation, uh, transport, flying over cost money, uh,
2: and also I'm lots so of did. income for yourself as well, right? Because uh, yes, yes, exactly. Mm. But uh, I'm, I'm still very grateful for the
0: government. Uh, I I did ask for a quote from a private hospital, which I shall not name, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it cost. I think they quoted me close to it, about hundred k. Right. So I am still very very grateful that uh, our. Hospitals,
2: uh, our government hospital exist and give yeah. good service. Imagine in an ideal world, all that can be actually provided in coaching.
1: Mm. I mean, also picture how much the government is actually subsidising um, for us, right? Um, but yeah. does the government have the resources uh, to bring these services to Sarawak? Um Chris, can you share... Um, about scans, a proposal or a recommendation for the Ministry of Health to build a cancer centre in Sarawak. How do you envision that looking like and what kinds of services uh, could it offer?
0: First of all, the cancer hospital idea has been around since before scan was formed. In a talk in 2016, scan was formed in 2017, Mm-hmm. I've already heard our Deputy Premier, YB sri Dr. Sin, mm-hmm. talk about the idea of a cancer hospital. Right. So it, it's not a new idea, but I think the major obstacle is political will. And it's not just the political will of uh, Sarawak government. It has to be also from the federal government. Mm-hmm. And over the past few years, with our political situation, right. it's... It has been a bit tough, but I'm a bit more optimistic now that this issue can be overcome. As to the cancer hospital, hospitals are not just buildings. So, scan we're we not just asking for the building. It's the equipment, the doctors and nurses, the technicians. There's so much more that makes a hospital. It's not just the building, right? So, that's also one one thing that we want, something that is more sustainable and we don't want just here, have this building, right? But doesn't come with the oncologist, equipment, does not come mm. with the oncologist, does not come with the treatment. Yeah. You, know, yep. you can have that and uh, I don't see the point that.
1: Um, it has have, to be long term as well. Have, uh, has a sort of budget been projected for a project like this?
0: I believe the people at Hospital Umum have sent out a plan to our state government. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I'm not privy to that plan. Of course. So uh, I do not know how much uh, it will cost, but I do know that we need it.
1: Can I ask, what do you think is the value of a centralised cancer centre, which is again, you know, in one part of Sarawak, as opposed to maybe asking for funding to place more oncologists uh, in more areas of Sarawak? Uh,
0: It's an unfortunate situation that it's not just about uh, the oncologists. You need the equipment as well. You need other specialists as well. So to duplicate that throughout Sarawak, it will be very challenging and extremely costly. Mm -hmm. You know, I think cancer treatment nowadays is multidisciplinary. So if you want to do multidisciplinary treatments around Sarawak, you want to do multiple copies of cancer samples around Sarawak, I think not feasible. That, is, yeah, that is not feasible. However, once you have strong foundation, once you have enough oncologists, enough facilities, enough beds, you can send out the oncologists to visit other hospitals you know you can train people there
2: mm-hmm.
0: you can use you can use information technology as well mm-hmm. so that you can do the chemotherapies there you know mm-hmm. with the view of having a, a RT center in miri or in Cebu in the future
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you can grow from there but if you don't have that foundation mm-hmm. and all the oncologists are just trying to clear their cases. It's it's not going to happen.
2: Yeah. I mean, Chris, earlier on, you mentioned that there is seems to be a lukewarm political will. And then with obviously, um, you know, political uh, ups and downs, downs, that actually uh, gives you all the hope and then uh, dash your hope again. But, Presumably, in order to heat up that uh, political will, I think Sarawak can do it, right? You have a medical school in Sarawak that presumably can sustain that training of uh, manpower. You have many, many Sarawakians who are more than willing to go home to Sarawak if there is or when there is a a centre like that. And presumably, it's just money, isn't it? at the end of the day, when the money is there and then all these things can come together, would that not be a good way to put forward those kind of ideas in conjunction with a tertiary training centres that you already have in Sarawak?
0: Yes, uh, that's a good point. I believe Unimas is also setting up their own uh, training hospital. But another fact is the Sarawak government has also pledged to Fund this initially, so that the federal government don't have to fork out the money first. But I suppose there are some things that they must agree upon, as in who will own the who will own the hospital, who would staff the hospital, who would pay for the staff. Mm. Mm. So I'm confident, slightly confident, that they can come to an agreement and that
1: mm-hmm.
0: we can get this cancer centre.
1: Where do you think would be a good location for a cancer centre like this? Um, should it be in Kuching, where the general hospital is?
0: Uh, yes, like I said, the foundation is here currently. You know. There's already established team and personnel here. So it, it's not like you can just bring them and scatter them throughout Sarawak or place it in Cebu, mm-hmm. for example. Which, being the center of Sarawak, has a has legitimate rights of being the uh, place to place it. But the fact is that all the established personnel are already here. All the other specialists, all the other subspecialists, are already in Kuching. Yeah. So trying trying to move that whole infrastructure over to a new place is difficult to mm. say the least.
1: So then um, we still face um, the kinds of challenges we talked about geographically as well, bringing patients, say, from Miri or even, like you yes. you mentioned, Lawas, Baklalan. We're talking smaller remote villages, right? Um, so mm. what kind of other support um, would the state of Sarawak need in terms of making sure all those gaps are covered as well? You know, the, 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 those kinds of logistic support for patients. Whoa. Um,
0: that's a very good question. First, with enough oncologists, you can start sending uh, oncologists to visit the other district hospitals, mm-hmm. right? So, not only that, uh, you can have you can start small oncology unit there, so that if there's any issue, you know, they can do their chemo there. If there's any issue, there'll be trained people there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Chris, of course, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, 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 want to be a devil's advocate here and ask you one big elephant in the room, which you haven't mentioned. You have a, another big neighbor next to you, which is Sabah. Obviously, um, you know, um, Sabah's population also face similar challenges. And then, even though it is a smaller unit of um, you know of a state, um, however, do you not think? Um, Considering East Malaysia itself as an entity in order to serve the whole populations of East Malaysia in both Sabah and Sarawak will be a strong uh, uh, current, uh Strong way to convince the federal government that this will be necessary, uh, rather than populations have to cross the water, come to this side of the um, uh, Malaysia for treatment. I mean, how do what sort of challenges do you uh, do your neighbours face in Sabah? Is it another equivalent of scan in Sabah?
0: They face pretty much the same issues. They are also big. They also have a lot of rural populations, but uh, no, unfortunately, I don't think they have an advocacy organization in Sabah. We do work with a couple of Sabah organizations, namely the of Kota Kinabalu, the uh, but they also do outreach, but they're mostly based on breast cancer. Yes. So,
2: yeah, because for like um, population in Tawal and from Sandakan to come all the way to uh, Klang Valley it's even further, right? And then, yes. so, you know, um, would this ideal of a cancer center that you are advocating, would it be better that it serve both states?
0: Ideally, they would have one of their own as well, and so should North uh, Peninsula and Southern uh, Malaysia as well. In Johor, in Pen- Penang, you know, we can't also forget about people in Kelantan, Terengganu. Um, those people in the East Coast are also uh, underserved as well. I don't believe they have a cancer center, and they have to go all the way down to either KL or Penang, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of gaps. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that uh, Sarawak is in a position to get this cancer centre.
2: Yes.
1: To wrap up, Chris, um, it's World Cancer Day tomorrow. Uh, we've talked a lot about the needs uh, and sort of the wish list uh, that um, cancer patients in Sarawak, represented by SCAN have uh, when it comes to um, better access to cancer diagnosis and care and treatment. Do you have a final message for World Cancer Day, Chris?
0: Uh, yes, this is actually one of their statements. is Where you live shouldn't determine if you live. Mm. Whether it's in Sawa or in Sabah or in Kelantan. If you have cancer, you deserve the right to access treatment. To me, that should be a basic right for all Malaysians, for everyone around the world. That is what World Cancer Day is about. To raise awareness globally so that everyone has equal access, equitable access to care. Mm.
1: And we've certainly heard today that our fellow Malaysians um, many of them don't have the same kind of access that we do have. That's right in Klang Valley. Yeah, your final and
2: thoughts. Well strong. said, Chris. I mean, in the spirit of Chinese New Year, it's all about you know prosperity and bringing all the prosperity with equity. I really think agree with you that you know in in uh, as fellow Malaysian, we shouldn't have this postcode lottery. If you're born in Sabah and Sarawak and then you have no access to uh, equal healthcare, I think for this uh, in the spirit of Chinese New Year, we all have to think of all our fellow Malaysians and what or whatever we can do to make sure that everyone gets an equal treatment, especially in cancer.
1: Yes. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. We've been speaking to Chris Cheng, President of the Society for Cancer Advocacy and Awareness, Kuching. And I've been joined by my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9.